Welcome in to another episode of We're Talking. Today we're talking basketball, Raging Cajun basketball with a longtime Cajun fan, Mike Hebert. How are you this morning, Mike? I'm doing well, Craig. Happy the weather is nice out there for all the Mardi Gras revelers. Uh, those days have passed for me since my kids are all gone and the, the grandkids are, are one of the, the oldest grandchild actually uh, went to the fair last night. She had her fun and she's tired today. So hope uh, all the people enjoy Mardi Gras. Do exactly that. Have fun. Great weather for them. Happy to see that. Absolutely. For me, it's one of those things that uh, my company is based out of New York. Well, I guess tech technically based out of uh, uh, Belgium and France. But uh, working from a company from New York, we don't have Mardi Gras off. Plus, it also falls next to uh, the end of basketball season and the beginning of baseball season. So for me to take a day off and miss a baseball game or, or a basketball game uh, is not not in my plans for Mardi Gras. I'd rather sit sit outside and uh, watch baseball when the weather's a little bit warmer. So, yeah, understood. And my, believe it or not, my son, he works for a company that has a lot of uh, military contracts. It's U.S. Ah. government contracts, and so they get President's Day off, but he doesn't get Mardi Gras Day off. So, so some of that happens. I, I will get President's Day off. I got Martin Luther King's birthday off for the first time. I think about three years ago. Uh, both of those, uh, we do not get Good Friday off, though. So, but again, my company's uh, pretty good. I get three personal days that I can use at any time. I get a a volunteer day. So, my work with the RCAF when we have our board retreat, I'm able to take that off with a pay. So, pretty nice. And then I get three weeks of vacation a year. So, trust me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not hurting for time off. But yeah, so working a Mardi Gras day is not a bad thing for you and. Uh... Uh, you know, doing this today is fine for me too. Uh, I got plans later in the day, but uh, happy to talk some basketball now. Let's get it on. Uh, man, let's go back to last Wednesday. You know, I was a little disappointed that we played on Wednesday. Uh, well, all the Sunbelt teams played on Wednesday, but then I looked at, I thought about it. And I'm like, okay, you got the Mac challenge coming up on Saturday, even though all the Sunbelt teams are at home. That really makes for a nice little break in between, which we'll get to in a second. But so where you can prepare for a school like uh, Bowling Green that we had in with an extra day in between. So, but yes. we'll get to that in a little bit. So I apologize. I ramble. ADD no problem, kicks that, in. that actually makes sense, though. Yeah, because that's not a team you play regularly, so it may need a little more scouting time. But we'll start so, with Georgia State. Absolutely. Let's go forward. Okay. You recall last week I mentioned that Georgia State was a team that scared me because they lost six in a row. All the games they'd lost were close, one in overtime. If you looked at all their stats, couldn't figure out why they lost six in a row, and you wondered if they were due. We'd also won seven in a row and wondered, you know, if we were due for a letdown. Basketball is not football. It comes down to oftentimes whether the shots go in or not. You know, you know, sometimes the you just can't physically run a ball right down people's throat in basketball like you do in football. You know, yes, if you have, you know, an outsized advantage, maybe that'll happen, but in the generally in conference play, that doesn't. So when we got out there, an early lead, it was 18 to four, if you recall. First thing that came to my mind is, this is coming too easily. You know, um, they, they gotta relax. And uh, right for the first time out, the Panthers hit one of their few threes they hit in the game, it makes it 18-7. And I just looked at their bench during the timeout, and that one shot they made actually gave them encouragement. So I'm like, that, okay, and I look at the, Cage is relaxing. I looked at their body language too as they went to the first media timeout, and I was concerned. But uh, yeah, were you concerned? 
in the second half, I, I was. It, it was there was a couple shots that they hit, and then they had a dunk right afterwards, and I was going like, "This is not good. This is just thrown everything the other way." So I know we're not in the second half yet, but yeah, but you got a point. But in a positive uh, point is Kobe Julian was on fire in the first half. He had twenty points. He was scoring. At the line, he's scoring, made a couple of threes, he's driving, he even hit some mid-ranges, and he got his thousand point. That is an accomplishment for a young man that needs to be recognized considering all the adversity he's gone through with the knee injuries. So congratulations to Kobe. Absolutely. Well-deserved, uh, you know, has his degree, if I remember correctly. He's working on his MBA right now. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he's doing everything the right way is my point. So congratulations to Kobe Julian. Yeah, well, and that scoring was important. After we built that lead, you know, the game was pretty tight, and he kept them at bay uh, with his scoring. Now, the Panthers were able to get to the rim too easily. That's one of the reasons they sh- uh, shot so many free throws and a lot of their baskets came inside. But one thing I noticed is whenever either Joe Charles or Zonic and Tanjay sat, that's when they got to the rim. Early in the game, when both were in the game, one of the reasons we got the lead was because our <clears throat> half-court defense, where we trapped the ball, was forcing bad shots and we got the rebounds. But as soon as one of them sat, you know, couldn't have both of them in the game at every minute, that's when the Panthers started making a little run. Now, uh, they did cut the lead to five, but Mike Thomas helped us with a couple of baskets. I call it a small spark. Unfortunately, it didn't replace well the second half. And uh, we got the last two baskets of the half. I think Kobe got one. And it leads at nine and a half. I was not comfortable. At that point, I said, this game could go either way because we had a 14-point lead. Now it's nine. I'm looking at the body language of both teams, and I can't tell how the second half is going to go at all. Uh, I will say that I was happy to see we do this every year, that the top student athletes in all sports are recognized at halftime. They actually name all the 4.0 students, and everybody who's got a 3.0 and above walks with their uh, teammates, gets their hands shaken by Dr. Maggard, Dr. Savoie. Basketball-wise, we talked about Kobe Julian. He was one of the, you know, obviously they can't be there, but they're next. Kobe Julian, Contrell Garnett, Timus Folks, are the, uh, that's three of the five starters, I recall. And and I don't remember the other two did or not, were there or not. But anyway, uh, so happy to see that. I'm sure you were as well. Yeah, it was, it's very pleasing to see. I meant to grab a picture of the script because it's up on the scoreboard for everybody to see both uh, men's basketball and women's basketball since, since they were unable to attend. And it was something that I, 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 I didn't get my camera out quick enough to, to, to mention that to congratulations. So thanks for that, bringing that up. I think one of the other was, uh, Oh, I think there were two more players. Uh, young man from Shaw that's uh, been out all season. Richard yeah, last year. Medical issue. Um, yeah. Uh, Isaiah Crawford. Yes. So, and I forget, I think there was one more that was on there. So, apologize uh, so walk, for that. Walk on, walk on Chris Landry, who's redshirting. Yes. Thank you. So, so, good job in the classroom and on the court for most of the season by the team. And we, we forget these guys who are redshirting do contribute in practice. They help prepare the team for the games. Uh, anyway, so I was honored to see that second half starts. Wait, and- well, can we go back real quick? Because uh, I think one of the things that I, I agree with you on is I didn't feel comfortable because if you look at it with 52 seconds, it was only a five-point game. 
and then Kobe got a layup, and then Garnett got a steal, and Kobe hit two two free throws with two seconds left in the half. That made me feel better going in the half. But you, the point that you always bring out about where you feel comfortable with, I didn't feel comfortable with a nine-point lead against a, a very streaky and do Georgia State team. So, yeah, comfortable is correct. I was not comfortable, but I wouldn't say I was overly concerned. I was pretty much right. to see what happens. Like, I have no clue what's going to happen. I can't predict it, the second half. Correct, correct. But I know you always talk about where you feel comfortable with as far as uh, uh, spreads yeah, yeah. during how the you, game. How do you, yeah. how'd we evaluate the half? And it was up and yeah. down. Exactly. I go back to the very first five minutes. It was just too easy at first, and it's the natural human tendency to relax. And when we get to the conclusion of the game, I'll make a couple of points on that. Okay. But in the second half starts, and the, the team in the, in the first half continues where the Panthers are getting to the rim. They're not necessarily scoring, but they get, they're getting free throws. And uh, by the second media timeout, the Panthers are already in the bonus. Yeah, shooting one and one. And then there was, a, I think it was on a missed, Got a good good move, got fouled, missed two free throws. First was a little long, the second was in and out, but you could just say, I said, those are important points because the team's feeling good because they ran a good play to get them the ball and they get nothing out of it. And uh, so, then I look at the body language. I don't know if it doubt maybe it is or maybe um, uncertainty. Uh, let's figure out what we're going to do here. But then, as we've seen a lot of times, the Cajuns have success by going zone. That helps them regain the lead. They get a steal. But but then so the games, you know, was, I think it's seven, eight points at that stage. With uh, about nine minutes going in the first half, I noticed Kobe hasn't taken a shot in the second half. And he was really hot in the first half. They've been a failure of execution. I don't know if the coaches should have called or plays for him or he just didn't get the shots in the flow of the offense or the Panthers took him away. All of that's possible. Then they immediately call a play for him, and he scores. But then, at that point, frankly, I think the next time down, he took a shot that was ill-advised. Maybe he thought one basket or had got him going from the first half. And he sort of struggled, to be honest, the rest of the way. Um, and then you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, you wanted you to highlight this. There was one stage where the Panthers hadn't hit many threes, but it hit two in a row. And they got a duck, and all of a sudden, they went down – Three or four to up a couple points. Huge momentum play, don't you think? Or swing? Yeah. It, it, it was huge. And, uh, you know, we mentioned that at about the, uh, like you said, about the nine minute marker or something. Someone that I was sitting with said, Hey, has Kobe even taken a shot this half? And I could not remember one. Uh, so I, and again, I don't, I think that the, the Panthers did a jo- better job covering him. I don't think Kobe touch the ball on offense that much even have the ability to take a shot yeah i guess well they they made a point of emphasis to deny him the ball i imagine yes get it. and even though you know i'm not a good basketball player anymore but i still try to play a little bit pick up and get people i compete against and if a guy scores the thing i'll do is you know i might have trouble stay in front of a guy in my age but i'll just de- deny him the ball is actually easier than dropping the drive yes it is Especially because so, usually you pick up a, a foul if you're trying to uh, to stop it, drop stop the drive. So, or he passes by you. Yeah. So we'll give credit to the Panthers there, to some degree. 
you know, we talked about the Cajuns had trouble stopping the Panthers from getting to the rim, you know, early in the game, and they were doing a good job of when both Joe and Hosanna were in the game. And for whatever reason, they maybe they lost their confidence in doing so, but the Panthers were able to get to the rim the whole game long. So the Cajuns went zone, and one of the reasons they did that is not necessarily they were scoring when they drove the rim, but they were getting a lot of fouls. And in the zone helped a little bit, didn't get as many fouls on the initial defense, but a couple of times fouls were called when we were going for the defensive rebound, allowing the Panthers to maintain possession. And that really hurt us. And I can't say if the fouls were good or calls or bad calls from where I was sitting. But all I know was they were big plays in the game. You, you know, that I'm glad you bring that up again because it, it was one of those things. I thought there were a couple of them that our player was using their body to move the, the, the Georgia State player out of the way. And especially when, when, when the Georgia State player was going up for a rebound. So as we moved into him, the player was coming down on our back. And, and, but, but it was our player that initiated the contact, even though they were coming on our back. Does that make yeah, sense? Yes. The blocking out occurred too late in the possession. Yes. We gave them the opportunity to delete before we blocked out. So, yes. Yeah. And then even if we didn't get a foul, remember that basketball people will tell you, and it is correct, when you play zone, you may have a good do a good job of preventing the basket on the initial shot, but it is much harder to guard the defensive rebound because you're not responsible for one man. You definitely block out. You're just responsible for your area. So the Panthers and Cajuns had a similar number of offensive rebounds, but a couple of them occurred there too, where they continued in possession by getting an offensive rebound from our zone. And so, uh, Mike, we're all do, concerned. You, do, you, do you think, uh, I mean, we've done a good, a very good job in the one, one, three, one defense. Do you think that is something that the Panthers probably scouted and knew was coming and said, we can crash the boards, especially from the opposite side, because you're, you, you only have one guy, not one guy just rebounding, but, you know, you have only have one guy underneath the basket. I mean, does, does, did that kind of look that way to you, or is that just my imagination? No, I think we we don't use it, you know, uh, for 30 minutes a game, but we've been using it more and more frequently. And okay. we played on Saturday, and we did well with it against uh, – who we played the previous – South Alabama the previous Saturday. So I'm sure they scouted us and, and expected it. And we had played it some in the first half. And we were playing in more to stay out of foul trouble. So they may have adjusted during the game. Yeah. So okay. The game comes down. It's tight. The play of the game was we're down two. It looks like we have a good defensive possession. One of the Panthers has the ball on the wing up top, maybe 27 feet from the basket. And a foul was called to control Garnett. And some people thought, well, maybe he got the ball. Maybe foul shouldn't have been called. I understand even our coaches say replay indicated he did foul him. The critical thing, though, was they called the three-point shot. I thought it was a one-and-one. One. But the guy, made, I was looking away. And when he shot his third free throw, I was shocked. I hadn't realized the guy called the shooting foul. Did you? I, I Yes. And I thought, I didn't know if he had fouled him, but I thought the correct call was a three-point shot, okay. three-point free throws. Because I, I he thought he, up, he was he was going up and control tried to hit the ball hit his hand and 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 it, it's one of those things that he lost the ball on the way up so what he wasn't you know but he was going up to shoot so I think in my opinion I thought it was the correct call okay well correct incorrect controversial it was the play of the game because yes two point lead 
becomes a five-point lead. That's three possessions. At that point, on offense, the Cavs were already struggling. They started to hurry. They shots even more because time was running out. They needed three baskets. And, you know, uh, we were just cold, too. I thought the shots were hurried. And then even in the event where we got an open look, we just didn't knock them down. Uh, and, so, and the Panthers put the game away at the line. They were 24-31. 24 out of 30 would have been 80%. You know, we had to follow them then, and they just put the game away, and the lead extended. So, disappointing second half. I will say this, that I learned after the game that our coaches were not pleased, I guess, with the practice performance and the couple of days going into the game. Now, that's not an excuse for the team. You know, you... you Part of it is just this. They'd lost six in a row. They were due to win one. We'd won seven in a row. Maybe we're due to lose one. Coach Marlin, in one of his post-game comments, said we didn't respect the game, and then it came back to haunt us. And later I learned, okay, well, maybe practice effort wasn't what it needed to be. And it's very hard to be up for every game. Even in football, 12-game season, you'll throw a clucker in there. So maybe that's all it was. Maybe I'm putting too much into that. When you look at the stats, the Cajuns simply shot the ball poorly. We didn't hit our percentage we wanted to, either from the three-point line, two-point line, or free throws. We below 70 on free throws. You know, we just missed a lot of shots. And I want to make an emphasis on that. When you miss so many shots like that, it does affect you defensively. People say defense fuels offense. Well, offense can fuel defense, too, simply because you can get back and set up your defense. And maybe you don't have to go zone. We can actually get up and get our correct defensive rotation set of man-to-man. So maybe it's just that, that it was just ball didn't go in, and I'm making too much of the preparation. Mike, uh, that that great point though on, on on that, and I think the second half shooting, especially, uh, you can you can rebound from twenty one percent three point shooting in the second half, but you can't shoot thirty two percent overall. You know, if you shoot forty five percent overall or forty percent overall, that can make up for that three point shooting, and then in your second half free throw shooting. You're below 65%. I, I I think the the overall free field goal percentage in the second half and the overall free throw percentage in the second half is what hurt this team. Well, part of that is Kozada Ketanje just took four shots in the game. They dug the ball into him, and the the Panthers did a good job of you know making him throw a ball out. And so I'll say this too: one of the reasons we shot the ball forth from the outside is when the ball went into Hosanna, I didn't think our players did a very good job of moving off their spots. They went to their spot and they would just stand there and it's easy to play defense. You have to move a little bit, still be in a position to catch the ball. And I made this point before. Sometimes you simply have the guy on the wing and the guy in the corner to switch spots to make the defense move instead of just standing there. Um, so that, and then they go back to the pregame prep, you know, guys just weren't ready for the game, but Hosanna has got to get a more than four shots at this stage of the season. And, and to your point about offense, offense, uh, spurring defense, defense, spurring offense, you know, the Cajuns did a good job of of uh, uh, handling the ball, only eight turnovers. But then again, we only forced six turnovers. Yeah. So something was there that wasn't right. I wonder about that stat because we had, at times, guards would drive into the lane and uh, they had nowhere to go. Maybe to put up a shot, and I thought it was – Maybe the turnover should have been called and they just called a block shot, whatever. But, you know, the ball handling wasn't as crisp as that stat indicates, in my view. I, I agree with you there as well. I'm looking purely statistically at it. Um, but, you know, 
disappointing all-around performance in the second half by the Cajuns is, is what I'll say. Yeah, disappointing. And my understanding was the team took the loss very hard. Coach Marlon said in the locker room, players were yelling at each other, yelling at coaches, yelling at trainers. <laughs> and that's just frustration. I don't think it means that the team's not together. That just actually shows disappointment of a loss. And actually, I think that's a positive. They didn't react very well to a loss. And, and I think that yeah, respond and the way they responded on Sunday was indicative of that. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, if they were all laughing and joking in there, then I would see a problem. But them being mad at each other and at themselves is a great point. Uh, it, it, it's it's one of those things, though. You know, you think of Georgia, Georgia State and normally you think of three-point shooting. The other thing I noticed is that Georgia State got – I don't know how they've been playing all year long, I, but in the last couple years, even after Ron Hunter left, they played primarily zone. I saw them play a lot of man-to-man. I don't know if that was a change from the way they normally play, and that didn't translate into the scouting report. report. But only three points off of fast breaks uh, – I mean, you got to be happy with that, but allowing their bench to come up with 23 when your bench is scoring five, not not a good uh, look. And I don't even mind the, being outscored the points in the paint, but when we start fouling them and then giving them the three-point shot when they didn't, you know, I yeah, thought we, we did about Don't give a man ones because that always just fuels the motivation of the opponent, and that happened a couple times. Yeah, a lot of things that – we haven't been doing happen in this game. So, but, you know, I could tell in warm-up on Sunday that the guys were not going to let that happen again. Not that they weren't going to get beat, but it wasn't because they weren't prepared or weren't going to have put out the proper effort. Yeah. Yep. So you ready to move on to Bowling Green? Yeah, let's move on to happier times there, Mike. Yeah. Well, Sunday afternoon, because of Mardi Gras, you know, uh, Sort of an unusual time, but give credit to our guys. They didn't let that bother them. How the game was going to go in the first few minutes, wasn't sure, because it was a normal feeling out process. As usual, you get around the 20-point mark. One team separates. Uh, it's pretty even in those first 10 minutes. Cages were cold from three earlier in the game. They did warm up as the game went, continued. And a uh, left-handed named Hill scored 10 points in the first six, seven minutes. He was getting to the lane making a lot of mid-range shots, tough to guard. I think he had 14 by maybe by the second media. But, they, you know, they, they, uh, Bowling Green is the Falcons. Falcons yeah. have a seven-footer guy named Spurgeon, who's not their best inside player, but he's their second best inside player. We had actually uh, Joe guarding him at the beginning of the game, and we had Ozan on AJ, who's probably their best inside player, that matches up better with him physically. But for whatever reason, that you know, I guess we didn't have our best defensive players on Hill, and he was scoring. But then after one of the timeouts, Joe left Spurgeon, and he went to Hill. And he was able to control him the rest of the game. Think about how tough that is to do. You go from guarding a seven-footer to guarding a 6'3 quick guard in the same game. You've got to be down the defensive player to be able to do that. And I think it also for uh... – I mean, Joe did a great job also because of the fact that, you know, uh, Spurgeon was taking – he took three shots from beyond, uh, the, beyond the three-point line, and Joe was able to put his hand in his face, get that up there, and able to alter his shots. His first two were horrible. 
The yeah, first was, one was an air right. ball. Yeah, air ball from the corner. Right, which allows the, us to get a, be able to run, run off a miss. You don't have to always run off uh, turnovers. And uh, I thought a key aspect of the first half is the Cajun bench. We talked about how much they struggled in the first game. In this, this game, uh, first game of the week, they were outstanding. They scored 13 points. Kyron Radliff even made a three. And you talk about the uh, scouting reports, he shot it from the top of the key. And the Falcons left him wide open. I'm sure their scouting report was he doesn't shoot threes. Uh, I read a comment from Coach Marlin. Is actually, they actually want him to shoot threes. He's just has been passing them up. And maybe he shot a couple. That might have been his third or fourth shot of the year. And I know I've mentioned this before. That surprised me. I thought when he come off the bench, he would be a stretch four, stretch five, because he knocks them down in practice. But practice and games are two different things. Maybe making I want to get him going from there. You know, Hardy made one. Michael Thomas, you know, played very well in the first half again. So the, the bench, I think, in the first half was the key aspect of us getting the lead. Didn't you think so as well? I did, and I thought Ratliff's play in the uh, uh, in that first half was the best half of basketball he has played as a Cajun. Uh, he was getting rebounds. He took the three-pointer. He's one for five now from the three-point line. Uh, he hit a, you know, di- hit a free throw, hit another shot. I thought that was his best half of basketball. And if that young man continues to play that way, that's going to be only positive things for the Cajuns. Right. Well, as a freshman, you know, we've seen that inconsistency. Hopefully uh, that'll spur a more consistent play from him going forward. But the story of the first half, though, the Cajuns got the game at their pace. You know, they're bigger than us, but we are quicker, and we got, were able to make the game a faster-paced game. That was responsible for us to get the 11-point lead. Forcing tempo is the way to do it, you know. And not necessarily, you know, that you stop them from getting the ball in the basket, but we're getting our hands on passes and preventing them from getting the passes into the basket or the guy near a basket. Can I bring up one more thing about Radliff? Sure. Um, did you know he's shooting 57% from the field? No, I did not, but it does not surprise me because most of his shots are right at the basket. They are inside, but still, even at that, that kind of that kind of gave me a little pause when I looked at that. Yeah. And seven, uh, and, and I didn't think he was shooting free throws extremely well, but he's eight for eleven for seventy-two percent on the season. I'll take that. No doubt. I so think, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Well, I will say one more thing. It is my view that when he's in the game, at times, he himself maybe needs to be more aggressive getting the ball. But when he does post up and they get him the ball, he scores at a pretty high rate. He also scores on ducks or layups for, you know, penetrations by the guards. But, you know, he had a block. He had a steal. I mean, you know, and, and the, I think the biggest thing about all that was he stayed out of foul trouble. Yeah. In, in some instances, he and Hosanna were in the game at the same time. Yes. And we haven't seen that that often. That was interesting to see where it means, you know, where he can step away from the basket a little bit. Uh, talking about the game getting in our pace. Our guards were responsible for that. Demas Folks, I thought, had a great game. I think uh, he had a stretch early in the second half where he basically put the game away. He got an and one, driving to the basket, got it to fall, made the free throw. And he was responsible for some of our lead in the first half as well, where when uh, he was getting his floater to drop, his little mid-range, his little bank shot, you know, and he wasn't getting stuck in the lane when he picking up his dribble. Not only get the end one to fall a couple of times, he drove the lane and he purposely looked for the three-point shoot in the corner and had assist on three-point shots. Uh, so I thought the team has put the ball game away early in the second half where the lead at 11 went to 18 pretty quick. 
I don't think it maybe got to 12 or 13 again after the first five minutes. I, I thought he Nothing played better. Comfortable, but after the first media timeout, then we, we'd extend the lead. That's when I felt comfortable in this game. Yeah, I thought uh, uh, Themis played much better under control. And, and, and you look at that statistically, he only had one turnover. So um, good job by Themis. And, well, all, all of our guys really this, this game played well with only seven turnovers. So yeah, every, 10 every, steals. Yeah, every player played well. Uh, but, you know, we got the lead, but you still got 15 minutes to go. You've still got to continue to play well in order to ensure that they don't come back. The game got very physical about a mid part of the second half. Refs must have had an early uh, flight out because they just did not want to call fouls. Uh, there was one instance where I thought they were watching Diddy basketball where, you know, we got rebounds under the basket and jump balls were called. Uh, I, 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 that, and I tell you, Mike, there were some times when you, you, you made the Diddy basketball point. There were times that you thought the guys took 17 steps. I mean, the walking on the court was unbelievable. I'm going like changing of pivot foots, uh, going. I mean, this was not Euro steps. This was uh, world steps because they were going everywhere. Yeah. I know the uh, Bowling Green coach, Tozana, walked in a couple of his, one of his baskets. Yeah, I'm not not saying our guys didn't do it either, but I can tell you there, there was a lot of walking in that. Yeah. Uh, on that possession, though, I think uh, Ozana did keep his pivot foot still and just used the other foot, so I don't think it was walking. But I can understand why the coach got upset. But, you know, the game continues, and the Falcons probably want to finish the game strong. They try to get the ball inside. They know that their strong point. And I really have to be uh, impressed with Control Garnett. A couple of times, he was on the seven-footer Spurgeon, and he stood strong until the help could come. Even, if, you know, maybe he would slide the ball away from him. Uh the, the big guy just had tough luck. You know, we talked about his air balls on three-pointers, but he's a better player than he showed on Saturday, on Sunday night. And so Kentrell defensively there, and, you know, Joe, Joe was guarding the hill and keeping him in control. Uh, offensively, Michael Thomas, you know, was in the game sometimes at the same time as Katimas. Kentrell was having a tough game offensively. And Michael made a couple of really long three-pointers, one NBA range. Not necessarily bad shots because he was open. And yep. he had made his earlier shot. The one of them with, go ahead. I was just going to say, one of them with the, with the uh, shot clock running down, too. I think was, he took it about one, two seconds. So right. it was a very nice shot. Yeah, and that was fine. He was wide open, and we had run, we were trying to run clock at that point. And, you know, he made a couple of baskets earlier in the game from near, nearer the baskets, you know, short mid-range, short middies. And basketball coaches will tell you, not everybody's Steph Curry. You see kids walking to the gym shooting from 30 feet. The way to actually practice basketball is when you – get into the gym, get your shots near the basket, even in practice, and then work your way out. And I, yes. that happened during the game for Michael Thomas. So really strong uh, effort from him. You talked about all our guys played well. Well, it was great balance scoring. We had five guys in double figures, including Michael Thomas. Uh, 24 points from the bench. Every player who played scored at least one basket. Seven turnovers. Brandon Hardy. You saw that you saw him take the three pointer, and the thing that I liked about it, and you talk about it always, getting your feet set, getting square to the basket, and then took the shot. Didn't rush his shot. If that young man does that more often, we're going to see great things out of him as well. Yeah, he, since he's had his injury, he's been slow coming back, so it was yep. nice to knock one that one down. 
Um, you know, we, we both mentioned the seven turnovers, but to me, the even though the seven turnovers is, is a great thing, the thing that amazes me is they had zero points off the turnovers. We got back on defense. We saw that with some blocks, and we, and we were able to shut them down. So that's to me, is impressive. Yep. Yep. I can't say enough about how well the Cajuns played in this game. I think it was their best game of the season, considering the opponent was 16-7. and I know we blew out Texas State earlier in the year in some non-D1s, but, you know, obviously they wanted to erase the stench of the game from Wednesday night. I'll make a couple of other points about this. We talked about Demas, you know, hit some mid-range shots, his little floater. That's why he was the leading scorer. But Joe Charles actually hit some, too. He got the ball, you know, and scored layups off good passes from Ozan a couple of times, hit a couple of threes, but there's twice he actually took the ball, drove the ball to the basket, saw that he was going to get stopped, and just flipped it in from like five, six feet away. That's a much better decision than drawing in and trying to draw the foul. I, I like the fact that uh, Joe Charles, 36 minutes, six for 10 from the field, uh, three assists, you know, 14 points. Uh, I mean, if we get that consistently out of Joe Charles and these other guys step up like like we're seeing, this is gonna this is gonna be a fun run the last six game of the rec, uh, regular season. Yes, and then keep in mind, Joe, I mentioned he also guarded a seven footer and guarded oh. the best for the team in the same game. Uh, zero fouls, zero fouls. So that might have been his best overall game of the season. I think yes. it was the best overall game for all the guys because, like I said, they all played. Uh, it's obvious they wanted that one. Now, can they continue and play that level on the road? We'll find out starting Thursday night. Before we get to that, though, Mike, let's bring up something real quick. I know we're going to talk. We'll talk about a little bit. We're going to talk about our guys on the road, and then we're going to talk some Sun Belt. But before we move on from this game, the Sun Belt was ten for twelve <laughs> in the in the Sun Belt MAC Challenge. Ten for twelve. The two losses were by one point each. Sunbelt wanted to make a statement, and I think they did this, this yeah. past weekend. There's some fans who say we're a one-bid league and, you know, we're one of the lower-level leagues in, in college basketball are just simply mistaken. There are 32 ah. Division One basketball leagues, 23 of them almost every year get one bid, league, get one bid. sometimes it's 24. And the MAC oftentimes is one who gets more than one because they're in the basketball area of the country, geography, and they play with a lot of Big Ten teams. So, yes, the level of basketball in the Sun Belt is a higher caliber than most people realize. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to this uh, coming week. The, tra- the, the Trajans. The Cajuns travel to uh, Old Dominion uh, for, for the first game of this road trip. Yeah, that's Thursday night. You, you talked about uh, two losses. Well, they were one of the two losses, but they lost to uh, – Central Michigan, and they were shooting. They had the ball with 17 seconds to go. Missed a three-pointer that would have won the game. I didn't see it. So they were only down one. I don't know why they couldn't get a two. Maybe they, maybe they just their offense wouldn't allow them anything, but uh, Central Michigan didn't let them get inside. So they only lost by one. In the previous game, they only lost to Southern Miss by five at Hatt- in Hattiesburg. You know, another tough place to play. So they're six and nineteen overall, but two and ten in the Sun Belt. But I think they've got to be encouraged with their two recent performances that were a higher level. Makes me worry about. The, hope we don't see the same thing we saw at Georgia State. There was a team that you to win. Uh, the Monarchs probably feel they're due to win with us coming there on Thursday. This is somewhat ironic. 
it shows the difference in geography more than anything else to, and, and uh, priorities. They're struggling this season. They have a very, they have a young team to some degree. They're averaging 5,700 people per game. That shows how people love basketball in the Virginia, North Carolina, West Virginia area. So it'll be a hostile environment when we go there on uh, Thursday night. Uh, the game's at 7 Eastern, 6 Central, ESPN Plus as usual. If you look at their stats, nothing too surprising considering their record. They score 71 a game. They give up 77. So that's a typical normal college basketball score. One thing that I noticed, they gave up 15 assists per game, which tells me their opponents probably can get the ball inside. Now, they do get eight steals a game. So probably a similar play like the Cajuns. You know, maybe we were trying to do early in the season, pressure the ball outside because there are limitations protecting the basket inside. Another team that does that, that does hurt us, is Troy. Remember, Troy has uh, leads the league in steals, and we had 20 turnovers in that game. So we don't need, well, you don't want to see that repeated. We need to protect the basketball. Um, their leading scorer is a, is a freshman, but he hasn't played in a couple of weeks since January 24th. I forget his name right now, but uh, maybe he's injured. So we'll look at their uh, Central Michigan performance. The leading scorer was number two, a guy named Chance Jenkins, 6'3", 6'4", guard. He had 16 points. He had three three-pointers. Strong performance by him. Their leading board getter was number 10, Tyron Williams. He had eight boards in that game. So their leading rebounder and their leading scorer were both guards. So... Uh, I looked at their roster size. They only have one guy 6'7". They have a couple of 6'6". Probably why they may be having trouble stopping people from scoring inside. This is strange. Nine guys have started a game for Old Dominion. Nine different guys have started a game. I think we've had the same starting lineup every game. I, I think you're right. Yeah, and one of them, of course, is the, is the uh, leading scorer was a freshman who's out. So they've had the same starting five for most games. But with their best scorer out, they've altered it a little bit the last few games. So what do we need to do here? You know, well, we need to, Hosanna needs to have a good game. You know, their leading guy is 6'7", he's 6'8", he's stronger than most guys. They're a young team. Uh, so we need to throw a ball into them, but then we can't stand around like we did against Georgia State. We've got to move around and make sure we got to, you know, if the in and out game works, we've got to get guys open from the threes. And, and he also needs to be patient. He may be able to back his guy down with the right dribbles, you know. Don't shoot the ball too quickly before you're ready. But we've got to protect the ball. We're going to be playing in an arena that has a lot of people yelling against us. Protect the ball. They try to turn you over. They get a lot of steals. We protect the ball, throw the ball in Hosanna. He makes the right decisions. I think we'll win the game. I, I agree with you, and I think I think we have to control on, on the defensive boards. We can't with – I think we'll – this is going to be one of those games that I think that – we are going to be a better rebounding team, a better uh, matchup, well, with height-wise, that we should control the defensive boards and we can't give them second shots. Um, yes, the they, other they thing – They may not be big, but they're quick inside. They're athletic. Yes. So the other thing I'm looking at here, um, you know, they lost both games to Marshall. Uh, they, beat both, they beat Marshall twice. We lost to Marshall. I don't give a whole lot of uh, – I'm not weighing that a whole lot. Do the simple fact is these teams have played each other, Marshall and Old Dominion, for years when they were in uh, Conference USA together. So they're very familiar with, with their styles and everything, Is whereas we're only going to play the other side one game a year. So I think it's important to, to not put too much of an emphasis on, on there. Am I overstating this? Just looking ahead with six games left, 
in who we play with two with Southern Miss, one with Troy, one at App State. Is this a must-win game for the Cajuns? To finish in the top four, it is. That, that, that's my point. I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Yeah, and top four gets a bye. Coach Marlin uh, had an interview with uh, Kevin Foote recently, and he said, we were playing okay in the end of the season two years ago, went to the tournament, and, you know, we've had to play four games in five days, and that extra uh, game did hurt. Yeah. Sometimes, I, you play, sometimes you play on Thursday and you and the team who plays on Saturday is rusty and you pull an upset. But that team getting all the way to the finals is pretty tough. We did it. Yeah. We did it against Georgia State. Georgia State had Georgia State going back to that game, you know, like it or not, in sports, sometimes some teams just have your number. Like we have Texas State's number in football. It can't be yes. explained, but you know, regardless of how good or bad you are, Georgia State seems to play well against the Cajuns. <laughs> it's just one of those fluky things in, in uh, sports. We played Old Dominion. We played Old Dominion last year, if you recall. I don't remember if it was the first or second game, but it was the two games that began the season and uh, right after Christmas when we started yes. 0 2. I think that's the game where we had the lead and we there was a jump ball in their basket. Uh, we thought it was our ball. We were going to be going for the last shot, and they changed the call, and we didn't get the last shot. Didn't play that well that day. So, uh, but it's not right after Christmas. We seem to struggle these right after Christmas road trip games the last few years. So it's February now. Uh, We know what's on the line. It's a must win game, but it's not, not, it's in no way a guaranteed win. Like I just said, you know, they could have won their last game. The three-parter didn't go in. Uh, Southern Miss is very tough in Hattiesburg and they played that game went right down to the wire. So they probably think they're due to win, and um, we lost our last conference game. So they probably thinking we, we're beatable. So I expect a tough game. We just need to use our size, rebound properly, and not turn the ball over. That's the key. Absolutely. All right. Hi, Mike. Uh, one of the, the the next game coming up, I still think App State is one of the. Uh, uh, is the best team, not one of the best. I think they are the best, and their record is up there with Troy, who I think Troy is very good as well, but I think App State is is better. Uh, App State had a uh, – the MAC Challenge, they played uh, – they, they, they played Toledo in a crazy game. If, if they were down by nine points with under four minutes, I think under three minutes to Two come back and tie the game. Ago, they were down nine. Yeah, and they, they come back – and tie the game, and then go to the game goes to double overtime with with some with some really strange things. One of them, guys missing free throws with like two seconds left on the clock to to go to another. It, it was a crazy game. Yeah, that's Toledo who did that. But you know, let's talk about App overall. They're twenty and five. Their Sun Belt record is ten and two. In their recent wins, they have two overtime wins. They have the one they won at Georgia Southern, which the Eagles gave that game away. And yes. App lost at Texas State. And that tells me, you know, they are beatable, even though it was a road game, because we dominated Texas State twice. That Toledo game, it was 90 to 90. Uh, App actually had an and one go in, a foul, and they had one, not three point passes yeah. to tie it at the end of the first overtime. I think something similar happened in, in the first overtime to go to the second. Uh, which team actually missed two free throws? Was it Toledo that missed two free throws? I, I believe so. Yeah. Well, they only needed to make one. So, Apps had the ball bounce their way in their two overtime wins. Maybe it'll bounce our way uh, when we go up there on Saturday. That's a 4.30 Central Guy, 3.30 Eastern, 
uh, 4.30 Eastern, 3.30 Central time. So if you're over at the baseball game, you can get your phone out and you can probably uh, pick it up on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, if you look at all their stats, not surprising. They're all favorable for a team that's a 20-5 and five record. They score 78 a game, so they like to score. You know, it gets up to 80. You know, that, that's a team that's pushing the pace. They gave up only 67. Oh, they got saw that's other than their uh, – it's not in their favorite steals. They gave up seven steals a game. Uh, they try to throw the ball inside. Their best player is number 24, Trevin Spillers. He scores 13 points a game and he gets eight rebounds a game. So the leading scorer is only scoring 13 points a game for a team that scores 78. That means they distribute the ball every game. If people who have watched McNeese in this area uh, remember our game, there was a guy named Shoemake, Christian Shoemake from McNeese. Spillers looks very similar to him. 6'7", very strong, upper body. Looks like he could play tight end in the football. Shoots only inside. Shoots 64%, so he finishes at the basket. But they only don't have him. I think the reason App is so good is they have, I think, the best combination of inside players in the country, in the conference for sure, maybe one of the top duos in the country. The other guy is um, number 21, Justin Absom. He's their second rebounder, leading rebounder at seven. And, you know, he shoots 61% from the field, very slim to shoemate. So those two guys are who they try to get the ball to. They score, and they offensive rebound as well. And they also have a good guard, number 11, a fifth-year senior named Greg Donovan. And, that, and all five years at App. Think about that. How rare is that? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, you know, got the uh, extra year because of COVID, but he's a fifth-year senior. He's in grad school. So they play more correct- Thursday night. Yep. You know, which, 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 again, is one of those games that I think that they, they're very familiar with each other. So I wouldn't be surprised there. But I think App State wins that one. Yep. Yeah. So I don't want to make it sound like they're unbeatable. You know, uh, they haven't lost at home. Maybe they're due to lose one. Um, they are impressive physically. But, you know, we, we had a 17-point lead against Alita before we lost that one late. And that one went way down to the wire. So the Cajuns can't get intimidated. They have a late, late lead. Because... Uh, Remember, we had a late lead at Toledo, and uh, we sort of fell apart. Of course, that's the first game of the season. Hosanna wasn't playing as well as he's playing now. Uh, going to be interesting to see how the Cajuns do. That'd be uh, the most impressive win of the season. They pulled that one off. Absolutely. I do want to correct something that we talked about earlier. App State actually missed the two free throws at the end of uh, overtime with three seconds left. Uh, that could have uh, won the game for them, so... But they dominated the second overtime. I think uh, Toledo maybe ran out of gas. I think they only shot one for 10 in that third overtime. Second yeah, overtime. it wasn't really that close. It, it was, But I tell you, it was an exciting game to watch. Uh, yeah, 109-104, double overtime, 90-90 at the end of regulation when an and one ties the game. Probably one of the most exciting games of the season. Yep. So uh, I, I bet it will be exciting when we play there on Saturday. Just Can we win the game? Yes. Are we likely to win? Well, they probably are favored. But if we play like we played this that Sunday afternoon with the same focus, we may surprise people. Yes. Um, I, I think the the coaching change is uh, perhaps State has been very positive uh, for them. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be very interesting uh, to see how this game uh, wraps up. This uh, coach is in his uh, fourth year, so which I hadn't realized he had been there that long. So I just remember the uh, the 
one of the games at App State, the the guy holding up, the, the, I remember the, the coach's last name was Fox, and they had the uh, Firefox browser logo up on there, as in <laughs> Firefox. So I, I thought that was very clever. And he had, he had probably been waiting since the day that Fox got there to use that at some point, which is, you know. But yeah, Well, I don't remember the current coach's name, but he's done a good job. Uh, Dustin Kearns. Yeah, and didn't they won the conference tournament? Was it two years ago, three years ago? And we, as like a sixth or seventh? Yes. Season? Yeah, they were. I think they were the last team to make the tournament, and then uh, ended up running through the tournament in uh, very bad as far as uh, the their their overall record that year. Yeah, but they were com- they were coming on at the end of the year. They were playing yes. Yeah. You no. Know, the idea that you you know people don't like the 14 place team making a tournament what that does though is makes people play to the end of the year they try to improve as the season goes along and if you're not playing well in february you're not going to win the tournament um like last year south alabama was on a big run and they were started really slow and they came on strong they are obviously the second best team at that stage of the season to, to me so what surprise one thing i will say about app is i'm wondering what's going to happen to their two big guys one's a junior one's a sophomore in absent and um spillers in today's world, is it any guarantee they're going to be at App next year? No. Is it any guarantee they're not going to be? No. But I wonder, you know, they're having such a great year and their two inside guys are playing very well. They may get some looks at by some of the bigger schools outside of the Sun Belt in the offseason. That's just a fact of life of where we are today. Yeah. Look, Jordan Brown's no longer here. That probably was a mistake in his decision. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if two guys like that who are dominant. So th- that. They don't have one guy we have to go against. We have two. You know, we'll see if Joe, Joe will be matched up against one of them, I imagine. And uh, maybe his quickness will help in that situation. His quickness, long arms, prevent the guy from backing him down. Uh, Craig, you got anything else? Nope. I think I'm good, Mike. Uh, thank you. Uh, your, any last thoughts before we sign off? My last thoughts is the, the way the team responded on Sunday Tells me it's unlikely we'll see a performance like we did against Georgia State again. Not necessarily that they can't lose, but not being prepared like they normally are, or maybe they underestimated their opponent that day. I don't think you're going to see that the rest of the way. Uh, not necessarily going to win any game or lose any game, but I don't think it'll be because of a lack of focus like it was on Wednesday night. I'm just curious because not that they uh, they can't use the Moncloth Center, but where where do you think they're practicing today with Mardi Gras going on? And the fair being there, you know? No idea. <laughs> I would be okay. surprised if they gave them the day off. Probably practice yesterday, maybe the day off and practice tomorrow. No, they leave tomorrow. Yeah. So they... But they may yeah. practice in the morning because they're not in school. So Yeah, right. They may practice at Makla at 9 o'clock. Actually, they practice in the morning most of the time these days. Yeah. So, okay. That was just a curiosity that, thing. That's a good question. They may practice in the morning, let the guys have a little fun in Mardi Gras parade and be ready to hit the road tomorrow morning. This is yeah. a commercial flight, by the way. I think they're flying to Charlotte. And then I'm not sure how they're getting, maybe that's where they're connecting and then flying up. Uh, what city's Old Dominion in? Somewhere in Virginia. Yeah, man. I was just there for football. Uh, well, that was a bad memory. Yeah. It is in... Norfolk. That's right, Norfolk. So they're they're, they're probably going from uh, Charlotte 
to uh, Norfolk because they can fly directly into Norfolk. Uh, because when I went played in a, a Pro-Am golf tournament, I actually flew into Norfolk and then drove over two hours to the uh, resort. So Yeah, so that's not too bad of a commercial situation if there are no uh, issues. I think the weather is going to be fine. I think Northeast has having a Northeaster right now, so I don't know how that affects Virginia. But I think that's good. That's going to be moved out by the time they fly tomorrow. I'm pretty sure. All right. So not a uh, charter, but not too bad of a commercial situation. So let's see what happens Thursday night. Again, that game's at 6 p.m. on ESPN Plus Central Time. Absolutely. Uh, softball today on ESPN 1420 and ESPN 103.3, not ESPN, the GOAT 103.3 FM in uh, 1420 AM. Softball starts at 4 o'clock against Mississippi State. They'll take on a doubleheader today. And then, as you said, ESPN Plus, Jay will have the call on Thursday. Thursday on 96.5 FM. Yep. So uh, catch all your Cajun sports. Baseball starts Friday. Uh, softball's back at home this weekend against Baylor. So busy time of the year. Go out and support your Cajuns. You're not going to be able to make it to everything, but make it to what you can. So I have one question about that for the radio folks. 96.5 is carrying uh, basketball this season, and generally on weekends they have baseball as well. That's a good, we can probably need to look at it. who's going to have it because Sunday afternoon, Saturday afternoon, there'll be a conflict. There will be and Sunday's uh, game at App State will Saturday. be on, K- uh, Saturday's game uh, against App State will be on uh, 96.5 with baseball moving to uh, 105.1 FM. All right, all right. I may put that out on social media for people. 105.1 FM for baseball Saturday afternoon. Apps, yes, sir. So, thanks, because I'm about to get on my Diamond Club newsletter, and I would have need, needed to know that. So, uh, Jay will have a call for Jay will have a call for you all weekend long uh, with the basketball. Ian Ozan, Brad Topham on the baseball call. Uh, Cody Juno, Bobby uh, Nova on the softball call. Uh, Dustin Dawson Dawson uh, will have the call with women's basketball uh, Dan McDonald on well I don't know that's interesting I'm going to have to look at this softball baseball uh, Dan will have one of the, either women's basketball or the softball I imagine uh, softball that's what he did on Sunday he did the softball I'm not sure who had the ESPN plus call with uh, with um, well yes I can't Basketball, women's basketball is also on the road. Oh, they are on the road. Okay, so never mind. Dan will be at softball for sure. So, yep. All right. Mike, thank you. We babbled enough here now at the end of the show. So, uh, But I appreciate your time, as always. And uh, we'll talk next week. Yep. It'll be interesting to well, see how these two games go. See if that play absolutely. The road play can match what we did on Sunday. Let's hope. Talk to you soon, guys. Thank you. Uh, for Mike Abear, I'm Craig Malonsong. You've been listening to We're Talking. We've been talking basketball, Raging Cajun basketball. Thanks for listening.
Any redistribution or reproduction of any part or all of the contents in any form is prohibited, except, ah, uh, who the hell are we kidding? Distribute it, share it, put it in your podcast, broadcast it, or put it on social media. Just give credit where credit's due.